Welcome to the Assemblée Dance Studio podcast, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in growing and running your dance studio. I'm your host, Claire O'Shea, and I'm a dance studio owner and business coach, helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business, and become the go-to dance studio in your area. Want to grab a free copy of my Dance Studio Growth Marketing eBook? Sign up for a free copy today of the ebook 97 Simple Strategies to Grow Your Dance Studio by going to assembledancestudiocoaching.com forward slash marketing ebook. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of my episodes released weekly. In today's podcast interview, I'm so excited to be bringing you a really inspiring and energetic chat with the wonderful Arti Kamal. It was so awesome talking to her about how she started her career and how it's grown into an online dance studio, which I think is something that potentially a few years ago we hadn't thought a lot about, but is really in sort of front of mind at the moment in this era that we are in. So Today's conversation is super inspiring. It gives a lot of practical tips, tips and tricks on how to grow your social media, grow your online dance studio, and just about you know dance and passion for dance in general. So a little bit about Artie if you don't know her. She is a dance YouTuber with an audience of over 430,000 people and 47 million views. She's a professional instructor and choreographer of over 10 years with her BA in dance from Cal State Long Beach. She's the co-founder of a brand new dance app, T and Me Studio, where aspiring dancers can train and learn in a positive, encouraging environment. Artie is best known for her humorous, lighthearted approach to good dance education. And I can really, truly say this conversation I had with her in today's episode left me feeling super happy and warm. And I hope that you get that vibe too, as well as learning some really practical strategies on us how to integrate uh, you know, technology and social media in your business. So let's dive straight into today's episode. So thank you so much for joining me today, Artie. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Me too. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we could finally get this going together and I'm excited to chat. I know. I see your cute little dog in the background. Um, oh, Yeah. <laughs> fair warning they may bark every now and then but they're just little little rascals don't worry (laughs) and for those people listening um we I think I tried to connect like uh probably like two oh like a month or six weeks ago now and I had a blackout the night um before our podcast interview and I was like oh before (laughs) it'll be fine the next morning it'll be totally fine and then still there was no power um, when we were scheduled and we tried to do it and it just was so terrible. So we had to reschedule. So I'm so grateful. Um, but we're here now and I have Wi-Fi and things are looking up. So that is great. <laughs> so Adi, for those that don't know you, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the industry? Of course. So hi, everyone. My name is Ati. Um, I am most known as a dance YouTuber. So I have a dance channel, Dance with Miss Ati, and it's all, you know, classes, tutorials, whatnot, if you want to learn how to dance. Um, and I'm also the founder of T and Me Studio, which is a dance training app, bless you, <laughs> specifically geared towards um, beginner dancers. So I've been dancing my entire life. It was a really natural kind of progression into it becoming my career. Um, 
you know, I competed in middle school and high school. And then I moved into more of like the concert and composition world when I studied dance in college. Um, and then it just blossomed into kind of like a social media teaching virtual online space kind of hodgepodge um, of a job. And it's been really, really cool. That is so amazing. And I guess, so how long have you had your YouTube channel for now, approximately? So like actually have had it is since 2012, but I didn't start uploading content um, as Miss Ati or as kind of the company until 2018. You are still quite a few years ahead of the pandemic <laughs> and like getting online. So yes. Did you notice a massive like uptick in your content during the pandemic or did you notice any changes during that time? Or was it just, again, for you, it might've been like business as usual with like the online <laughs> kind of aspect and everyone else would have been like, Oh my God, like, how are you doing that? Yeah. So I definitely think that, you know, I have hold a lot of gratitude for already being in the online space prior to the pandemic, um, because I know that was a huge struggle for a lot of businesses um, that maybe were brick and mortar or they just weren't, they had no presence um, kind of in the online space. And I felt, I just felt so much for them. Um, and I was thankful that we had already kind of been growing in that space, learning how it works, creating some kind of cohesive branding, clarifying what exactly we want to do as a company, because um, that wasn't so clear at the beginning. Um, but yes, to answer your question, pretty much from the start of the pandemic, in the States at least, um, there was a big boost in viewership and subscribers because all of those beautiful dancers that could no longer go to studios, um, dance teachers who were like, oh my gosh, I have to create online dance content. They were coming to YouTube and looking for resources um, and they found our channel, which you know, was lucky for us in the midst of this like horrific social event happening. Um, but it definitely impacted viewership and subscribers. And again, like you said, obviously you, you're not wanting to benefit out of everyone else's right. negative space, <laughs> right. but you know, yeah. it's just, it just was a part of it. You were already online and you'd already built, um, I guess, a, a viewership and your content. Right. So it was a, um, a happy bonus and again people finding your content was only going to be beneficial for them you know what I mean if they were looking for something that's amazing and for those people who sort of may be listening and you know maybe they're not a subscriber on YouTube so you have your YouTube channel and then I know like can you explain the sort of the structure of your company like what else do you have at the moment um how do you uh, interact with your viewers as well or do you have memberships and how do you sort of structure that currently yeah. So we've tried many different things over the years um, of how to kind of best engage with the audience, create a really like authentic um, community because that, and I know we can get into that later, but that has been a really crucial piece of the company. Um, but right now it's really just twofold. We have the YouTube channel. So there's Dance with Miss Ati. That's a free resource. It's tons of different types of dance content from full length classes all the way to a really quick three minute flexibility trick, right? Specific to that technical skill. Um, there's advice on there. There's silly things like reacting to TikTok videos. 
it's basically this just library of dance content that can range um, from subject to subject. Now, the other side of the spectrum for our company is T and Me Studio, which is the app. T and Me is progressional and it's structured and it's built truly for someone to start dance from the beginning. So to start from scratch and then it's guided step by step along the way so that there's no confusion of like, okay, what, what do I do next? Like what's the next class I could take? And that was a question that I would get so many times is, and this is where the interacting with the audience comes in. It's usually just through DM. Um, when I have a chance, I'll go through and I'll answer some, I'll look at questions that I'm getting just to kind of like take the temperature of the audience. Like, what do they want? What do they need from me? What's the kind of like recurring question? And the biggest question that I found was the answer is saying, hey, Miss Ati, I love your content. I'm just starting out dancing. Can you help me figure out what to do like in a progressional order? Like what classes do I take? How many hours a week do I need to be training? It, it was a lot of like logistical questions. And when I thought about it, it makes sense. When you're a, a person brand new to the dance space, it's very easy to find a resource to learn, but it's not easy to find a resource that's organized and guided for you step by step so that you're not the one putting your training onto a calendar. So that's kind of where the app comes in. Um, it's very guided. I'm like holding the dancer's hand through the process of learning where the YouTube channel is more of just, you know, some fun videos, every week is different. Um, it's not as structured, if that answers the question. Yeah, definitely. And I guess as well, like from a studio owners and a teacher's perspective of, for me being in a, in a physical brick and mortar classroom, although I, you know, and probably teachers listening do their best to, again, help new students or people walk through step by step, it's just not possible to have um, that such such a, I guess, like customized experience for each individual when you're working yeah. with a group. So something mm -hmm. like your app or the extra support of what you offer, again, is meeting the student where they're at, which I think is just, it's such an amazing concept. And, you know, probably actually works really well sort of in combination of like, you know, those their students taking their uh, in-person classes. And then, you know, they might be with the 12 year olds and who have all danced for 10 years. So they've got it. They've got a, a, big, <laughs> yeah. a big sort of gap of knowledge that they need to try and catch up. And it's not to say that their um, teacher in the classroom wouldn't help them do that, but they're not going to be able to give them that one-on-one -on -one in a group class. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think what I strive to do with just our, my company in general is to kind of fill the gaps for dancers because I, you know, obviously I'm a dancer myself. I have firsthand experience of like what happens in a studio, what doesn't happen, the same thing. And maybe students are in like really large classes where if you don't know the combo going across the floor, it's good luck. <laughs> Try and figure it out along the way. I feel like unless you have kind of a private lesson happening every single week for you to be able to catch up to what you missed, 
um, out on or something that you're struggling with that's keeping you kind of behind technically, um, it's really challenging for dancers to kind of progress quickly. Um, and then also that being said, you know, I've taught dance for over 10 years and I've, I've seen every kind of student kind of in my classes. Um, so it's been really cool creating both the YouTube channel and the app to kind of fit that person that I remember in class, the one who's struggling a little bit, the one who needs a little bit of extra support, the one who started late, but ends up in class with all these competition kids, you know? Um, and along the way, I also wanted to help with confidence because that gap can sometimes deter someone from keeping up with dance. It's too hard. I'll never be good enough. It's too late. Or, you know, it's just, it's something that breeds insecurity for them. So I wanted to kind of create a space where dancers can learn step-by-step step and in the same breath, build their confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is amazing. And I think, you know, maybe five years ago, people like, you know, that you spoke to on the street about what you did might've been like, oh, I just don't see how that could work. Like how, how do you do <laughs> dancing online? And now everyone is like, well, we know it can be done. We know it can be done really well. And obviously, you know, you already had sort of the success and a following to kind of convert into um, this sort of online studio space. And I know that um, probably many yeah. people listening have had um, maybe interim online studios or, you know, maybe it went really well and they're continuing to do so. But yeah. um, I think probably over the last two years, everyone listening have has had um, at least a taste of what it's like and probably appreciate it way more than maybe they did, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago because, you know, yeah. it's, there's so much that goes into like the thought process behind creating a video and recording it and editing it and loading it and, you know, writing the description and there's just so much involved. And I think it's um, really awesome for, you know, just to to know both sides Um, and then Mm -hmm. also to have a resource like yours available to support students, but then also teachers and dance studio owners. So like I Mm -hmm. sort of gave an example of how I kind of see it working sort of symbiotically, like with, you know, an in-person class. Do you have any other examples? Like how do you have um, teachers that sign up to help them with uh, class content or like what what other types of ways that you see students um, and I'm sure you have students who only do online and that purely might be because they can't access in-person classes so again yeah. dancers being able to reach more people but do you have any other examples of how your um, app and your YouTube is sort of used in the dance space as well with like in-person classes as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, when the pandemic was, you know, every single person at home, they truly like nobody could go to a studio. Um, A lot of my videos were used um, in high school programs. They would be assigned as homework. (laughs) Um, You know, watch Miss Ati's contemporary routine, learn it, record yourself doing it and then submit it. Um, So a very practical use was teachers assigning my content as research for students or homework for them um, or just kind of like extra credit, like little bonus material, do this, write something about what you learned, etc. cetera. Um, on the other hand, of course, I have students who are only online. Um, and this could be, like you said, 
they cannot access an, an in-person class or they can't afford dance in general. Dance is so expensive. <laughs> you know, one drop in class can be anywhere from like 25 to $30 USD. Um, and that's pretty, that's pretty steep for, you know, wanting to take class multiple times a week. Um, so I do have dancers kind of in that financial aspect that are like, okay, online is more feasible for me. So I'm going to just commit to it. And then I do have a lot of teachers that actually use the YouTube and the app for their own kind of um, refresh on material or um, I have new teachers kind of pop onto the channel of like, okay, I'm about to start teaching a beginner contemporary class. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I'm going to watch these videos, kind of see how she teaches. Um, and a lot of them use my material to understand how to teach beginning um, fundamentals. I've, I have dancers of all levels in the community, but I have learned in the last year is that the people who have stuck around are primarily beginner. Um, they're beginner, maybe intermediate. They're maybe returning dancers who came back from injuries or, um, you know, adults who used to dance as kids and now they're coming back to dancing themselves. So they're easing their way back in. Um, so a lot of teachers come to my channel to see, okay, how is she breaking down kind of this complex movement into really bite-sized pieces so that my beginner students can understand. Um, so, and I love teaching beginners. I think it's fun to, you know, go back to the basics because as a dancer, you should know that the basics are not really the basics. They, they are everything. Um, so yes, in a very long roundabout way, I do have teachers using my content in a practical way. Um, and then also for their own benefit of, you know, they can steal combos from me. They can steal across the floors. I always tell them, I'm like, yeah, take whatever you want from this um, and use it in your own classes. That's yeah. Amazing. And yeah. you know, I know, I think that you have a really like amazing attitude to sharing your knowledge yes. and to sharing, um, you know, what you create and obviously you know youtube is quite public facing so even if you were like well don't take this like it's probably going to happen anyway um oh gosh, but yeah. that you that you're so giving with it is so amazing and i think that you know obviously well i feel like there's space in the you know the world and the dance community for everyone and i feel like yes. clearly you think that too which is um amazing but i think that in return you know you get subs more subscribers and more followers and probably a, a bigger business as a result so that's super amazing yeah. and um i love to hear you know not only ways that you know students might find your content and find it mm -hmm. uh, you, you know amazing but then also um teachers and studio owners that can be you know because again sometimes professional development is really hard to access like depending where you are um, yeah. You know, if you're teaching every night, every weekend, all summer, like you might not have time to go to a dance conference or again, mm -hmm. you might not have the money to be able to do that. So it's so amazing that there is these resources out there and that you're open to kind of sharing what you know. And like you said, even though like the basics for some people, um, I did air quotes for those people listening, <laughs> even though <laughs> the basics might be like quite yeah. simple, like if you don't have that, there's no way that you're going to be able to grow these gorgeous combinations and these amazing dances. And right. 
to be honest, it, it's really such a small amount of people that get to that advanced level. If you think about it, you know, it's yeah. majority of the people that we know and teach in our like teaching careers would be classified as beginners. It would be not many that would right. actually get to that advanced um, stage. So I think yeah. that, um, you know, that's really, really amazing. Now, like I know that you've been creating a YouTube channel and your YouTube following is a lot bigger than, um, for instance, like a local dance studio might have. But do you find, obviously for you, it sort of works um, into your app, like because, you know, your followers then subscribe to your app. But do you think like for business in general, is there um, a benefit to having an engaged YouTube audience for, and maybe a dance studio specifically? Yeah, I you know, I love this question because I have a really strong opinion on large audiences. <laughs> um, I actually don't think that a large audience necessarily translates to success of whatever it is, right? Whether it's studio classes or like a physical product that you're trying to sell. I think what does um, make sense for for those situations is an engaged and loyal audience. So I've learned this over the years too, where, you know, whether it's a brand reaching out to me or it's my own content, the amount of people you have on your social channels is not as important as how of the, of your relationship with them. Let me repeat that. So the, quantity of your followers, subscribers, etc., is not as important as your relationship with them. So you could have hundreds of thousands of subscribers or followers, but if they don't have a loyal relationship with you, they just kind of um, see your channel or your social media as exactly that and not so much that there's a human behind it and they don't have a connection and relationship with you it's not going to translate to the visibility and the conversions of sales that you're looking for. However, if you have an audience of 4,000, 5,000 dancers who just absolutely adore you, they take everything you say to heart, they trust you, they want to be like you, they want to do all the things that you're saying in your stories, um, that's incredible. Like that's where I think the success of, of a business comes from um, is not so much the quantity of people, but the quality. Um, so, you know, I've learned that over the years too, like I said, um, to not be so focused on numbers, but rather the, the connection and the relationship with, with your community. Because at the end of the day, like that is what a business is about. If you don't have community, and you don't have a good relationship with the people you're trying to bring into your community, you really have nothing. Yeah, I would, I would so agree. And it's really um, interesting as well, hearing it from your perspective, because I guess, you know, we're in the same industry to a degree, but you yeah. are coming from more of that like online side um, mm -hmm. where, and listeners who might be listening might have that background. They might be dancers. They also might be studio owners who own more of a brick and mortar style business. And we yeah. see people, you know, out there who, you know, they keep saying, you know, you need to grow your social media, you need to do this, you need to do that. And it's 
there's a lot for um, studio owners or teachers to be able to do. So it's really awesome yeah. to hear from you as well, who have that focused online aspect that you're saying, well, community is like not power, but community is the way. And I feel like yeah. connection, that is the main thing that we're mm-hmm. looking for. Um, mm-hmm. So that is really amazing. And something that I talk to my clients about, and I'm sure probably you would agree is that uh, we don't own our audiences on Instagram and YouTube and all of those things. So they could go away tonight. And the only thing that you have is either like an app that you've created where you have those people saved and you can contact them or their email address or their phone number, depending. So, you know, while social media is a great way to build an audience and, you know, hopefully convert that into sales, we don't own those audiences. So it's really powerful to be able to think of the way you're going to convert that into more of a community. Absolutely. I think that's such a great point. Um, you know, I don't think this will happen, but social media, yes, truly you could wake up tomorrow and Instagram's gone. There's a new platform, <laughs> right? That sounds horrifying, but it's, it's just the reality of it. It's focusing on your product again, whether it's classes or it's something tangible and building trust and a relationship and connection around that thing over like, Oh, now we have a hundred thousand followers. Because at the end of the day, like those 100,000 followers are kind of meaningless for you unless you have that other thing. Um, so that's a really interesting point is to basically what, what are you focusing on as a business owner? And I know for me, it's definitely shifted over the years. And as I've gotten older too, I've realized that there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of weight in numbers. Um, it's impressive on paper oh my gosh, you know, we have half a million people on the YouTube, but does that really mean anything if you don't have the kind of pillars of the business that will keep it sustainable um, and fulfilling? Numbers mm. are not fulfilling, right? But no. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, I also think like what you're saying is so relevant for dance studio owners because so often when I work with clients, when I'm like, okay, so what is your goal? The first thing they say is, I want more students. Like I need, I need, you know, if they have 50, they want a hundred. If they have a hundred, they want (laughs) 200. And, you know, I understand in general because, you know, generally people are looking to create more financial freedom. They want to make more money, but not always is more numbers meaning more money. It means more expenses. It means, you know, there's just other things that come into it. So, um, and I think, like you said, sometimes on paper, we can equate success to having those 500, 600 people studios, or in your case, you know, 500, you know, 200,000, 300,000 subscribers. But at at the end of the day, I know some businesses that are probably way more profitable with, you know, 50 people or a hundred people versus 500 and probably similar for you, you would know YouTubers, you have probably millions of subscribers potentially, but if they don't have an effective way to convert that into actual money or uh, having that community fostered, it's just really, again, it's just numbers on paper and it could go away. So it's just, yeah, it's really interesting to think about. Yeah, absolutely. So again, you have this, again, prospering YouTube channel you have your app and so a part of that would be 
creating a lot of um, routines, combination, content ideas, like concepts, all of those things. And I can imagine it would be really hard to kind of stay creative and be able to think of fresh and new ideas. So do you give us a little, can you give us a little bit of insight in how you come up with all of your sort of new routines and your content ideas and like, what's that process like for you? Yes. Um, it absolutely does get, um, a little in the burnout (laughs) realm sometimes. Um, just because it's a, it's a bulk of content, right? It's not one video that we're creating for the next six months. It's a video every single week. It's multiple videos on the YouTube channel. Um, and then the micro content for Instagram, it's, it's, it's a lot of content. Um, so I used to past versions of myself would be like, I can do all of this by myself. (laughs) I'm going to do everything. I'm going to think of every idea. Um, and that very quickly, uh, you know, kind of bit me in the booty, if you will, because that just is not sustainable as a single human being, you could be the most creative person in the world, but to constantly kind of churn out content, um, will get challenging. So I have found that bringing others in, whether it's a guest teacher um, or if we have a creative team meeting, not just having it be my typical core team, but bringing in other um, minds and eyes and voices um, to just kind of inject fresh ideas um, into the content because it's just impossible to kind of only think of it yourself. Um, So there's that aspect of kind of bringing in other creatives that I trust. Um, And then also it's, again, taking the temperature of your own audience. I sometimes when I'm stuck, will put a like a little question box on Instagram and it will literally say, like, what do you want from me? (laughs) You know, what do you want to see? Um, What are you? I love asking, what are you struggling with? Um, And, you know, I get a hodgepodge of answers, of course, but there's usually a couple um, themes that pop up and I'm like, oh, I love that idea. And then I'll implement it into the content. Um, And I will say what that also does is builds more trust and loyalty in the community because they're like, oh, Miss Ati took my idea or, oh, she heard me. She read my message. um, And now there's this really cool video or this really cool series challenge, boot camp, whatever in the app that is addressing the struggle that I shared with her. So long story short, it's not being afraid to ask for help, whether it's from your community or from the people that you trust around you. Um, many creative minds, I think, are better than just one trying to to create so much content um, by itself, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's so relatable for like an in- studio context as well like as a business owner and as a teacher I you know you sit down to plan your classes and you're like oh my god like how can I teach this class differently to the way I taught it last week or last year or for the last 10 years Uh, and as well when you sit down to like set goals for your business it's sort of like you know if you're the same people are thinking of new ways to do things it, it often ends up sort of being the same but if you uh, take ideas from new people again like you said in, inject yeah. fresh ideas and fresh concepts it does it can be so invigorating so um, I think that's so 
amazing like you said um that maybe in the past you would have been like I can do it all and I think that everyone has (laughs) thought that like oh it's just easier if I do it oh my gosh um yes oh my god I can just know so many times that I've said that but (laughs) I think that like you said that that collaboration creates creativity and it really sort of broadens your capabilities like one person can really only do so much you only have so much bandwidth so I think that that's super super powerful what you just said yeah cool (laughs) amazing now I only have a couple more questions for you and then um it's it's morning here in Australia but it's middle of sort of well of your afternoon and you've got lots more stuff to do in your day as well (laughs) so again like with your app um Mm -hmm. you know you have subscribers well I guess what do you call them like community members what how do you refer to your um people on your app I don't want to I yeah I've, I mean they are app subscribers but I've just been calling them T and me members um yeah members. I, like, I like the word member yeah yeah I think <laughs> member is a nice word too I like that because again sort of fostering that community relationship yeah, it exactly. feels more personable than subscriber yes so, yeah I think so <laughs> So again, with your members, you said generally you have more of those beginner style members, yeah. but how do you think that the, the training would benefit a dancer who's taking a class? So I guess I'm asking like for studio owners or teachers who are listening, how would they know like what, what student to refer to your, to your app as an additional mm-hmm. like supplement? So how would they know, oh, well, I think that that person, that student would be a great uh, candidate for the TME yeah. studio versus someone who maybe they think, well, actually they're not going to get benefit out of it. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think kind of referring back to what we were a couple questions ago, that student that just has technical gaps a little bit, right? Maybe they're a an incredible turner. Okay. And I know a ton of incredible turners that really, really lack um, mobility and flexibility. So when they're in classes, they're, you know, they're killing it on their pirouettes. They're doing all these fabulous things, but then it comes to anything like a botma, an illusion, a soda shot, and their mobility and flexibility is just not there. That student that has that gap can pop onto the team me app and go through the flexibility boot camps, go through the full length, um, flexibility routines, I almost, I love the idea of T and me being this supplemental um, training program, because if you, if you really want to, if you have a student to answer your, your question, Claire, if you have a student who is brand new to dance and they like really need help from the get-go, you can of course send them to the app because it, I literally have a begin here playlist. It, it starts from the beginning of like breath, dance posture of musicality, explaining counts, things that kind of just get, you know, thrown to the wayside a little bit in a, in a beginner dance class, you kind of just jump straight into it. Um, so there's like conceptual uh, explanations on the app as well. So you have that student who's brand, brand new. But I do think that the students who have those gaps Um, And that just needs supplemental training that they can do at home without needing their teacher to be there. Um, I think they would be fabulous candidates for the app. Um, You know, and then on the ladder, there's, there's 
challenges in the app too. So if you have a dance team and you're like, okay, everyone, we need to all have our center splits, our up and overs, you know, like a little roll through kind of center split. Everyone needs to have it by January, whatever, for our competition routine. Maybe the 21 day split challenge is assigned to that team. And it's like a fun team building activity. You know, like, what day are you on, you know, on the, on the split challenge? How far are you? They can take photos of, of their progress and kind of like put it on a cool board. And it's like a team building activity. So I think that the app can be used for so many different types of dancers. But the first two that come to mind are the true beginner and then the dancer who has those has a ton of, of potential, but just has those little technical gaps that need a little bit of extra love and attention. I think that's amazing as well. And like, I was just thinking when you were telling me about how you have um, like a playlist, that says like start here and it talks about like posture yeah. and timing and everything. Like I was like, well, of course, like that's so <laughs> like we have to learn that. But I think in the, um, in like the standard sort of brick and mortar classroom, what often happens is like people don't start at week one when they're three. So they don't get all right. of that step by step. And so if you're starting, you know, maybe week two or, you know, just somewhere down the track, you, you will learn those things by, I guess, consequence or immersion. Yeah. But I know as a teacher, yeah. often I don't go, okay, today we're talking about posture. I would, I would say, I would pull up <laughs> my students and say, we need to stand tall, but that would kind of be it. Like I wouldn't, it's not a focus of mine. I don't have a intro to dance for teens. I don't have an intro to dance for my, right. you know, six, seven, eight year olds. It's those concepts are kind of taught <laughs> within. Oh, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, those concepts are kind of taught within my classes, but not specifically. So I think that again, if I don't have the time to do that as a teacher, or as a studio owner, it's a really great tool that could be used and introduced to those students without then me having to worry about making the kids who've been there for five years bored basically oh yes that's such a classic struggle of a dance teacher right <laughs> the plight of a dance teacher you have the same the same students for I don't know a few months and you get into this group and then you have a sweet new dancer come in and you're like, oh, okay, do I go back a little bit on some of the curriculum that we've been doing and catch this dancer up? But then you fear making your current dancers a little bit bored. But then if you keep going at the same pace and that poor dancer falls behind. So there's like, that's such a classic, classic scenario that we've all been in. And it's really challenging. It's so challenging. So I think then, yeah, yeah something like what you offer is so amazing because I know, you know, there, there might be an amazing unicorn teacher out there and studio owner that has their in-person classes and a thriving app. <laughs> but most people that I know either have, well, to be honest, just the in-person in classes. So having yeah. something like your app available is an amazing resource and something that I think I can see, you know, students obviously getting so much benefit out of, but it actually, as a result, benefiting teachers and studio owners yeah. as business mm -hmm. owners, because if their students are happy, they feel like, you know, they're included, they're connected, they're more likely to stay longer in classes. If they feel absolutely you know, in insecure, unsure of what's happening, they don't feel like up, 
up with it with their classmates. They that yeah. those are the students who leave, and we just it's, it's yeah. really, <laughs> really hard to kind of manage each person's expectation and journey one on one. So Absolutely. I think that that that's really awesome. Now I have one last question for you, and it kind of yeah. seems a little bit funny considering we were just talking all about how you know it's all about community and connection, but. <laughs> At okay, I'm ready. Day, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, business owners listening still want to like have a focus on growing their social media, potentially, yeah. you know, to reach more people, to get more people in the door so then they can create that community. Do you have any like top tips or strategies that you think that are relevant or working at the moment for social media growth for studio owners and teachers or, you know, just anyone listening? Yeah, I do. Um, I, everything I've, have done has been um self-taught with social media um the beginning I had no idea what I was doing (laughs) um and now I'm like okay I think I have kind of a grip on this so the very very first thing is to this is a, a really logistical kind of answer um you need to have three to four pillars of what you are posting um you know, sometimes, and I love dance studios. I've worked at so many, but sometimes I'll go to their Instagrams and I'm like, what, what's going on? <laughs> There's like, you know, a post of a dancer and then like the studio owner's dog. And then there's, you know, happy 4th of July. Like there's just like so much going on on the page. Yeah. And I love that we're all creative people. So it's like, oh, this is cute. I'm going to post it. But what that does is kind of dilute your brand and it dilutes your message. So nothing has to be strict. I don't think you have to fall into like a color coded, everything is the same neutral tones, unless you love that. Um, But I would just keep it loosely structured around three to four different pillars. So maybe one of your pillars for a dance studio specifically could be dance studio related, um, text. So, Hey, we're closed on this holiday. That's fine. Or auditions are coming up. So informational posts could be one pillar. A second pillar could be, um, highlighting your dancers. So it's cool images of them. It's videos. Um, it's media that shows off your actual dancers at the studio. Number three, you know, could be teacher highlights. Welcome Miss Jenny and happy birthday to her and whatnot right? So it's community there. And then maybe a fourth pillar is any kind of um, events, like it's a competition post, or you have a really cool masterclass coming. So this loose structure gives you clear branding, your audience knows what they're going to get when they come to your profile. If someone comes to your profile, they should be able to understand who you are, what you do, and what value you're going to offer them in the first 10 seconds. And I know that sounds wild, but that is the world that we live in right now. If you don't catch people's attention right off the bat, they likely won't stick around. So a logistical answer to your question is to stick with those three to four pillars. Make sure your branding is clear. The bio is so important, whether this is YouTube or Instagram, right? And it's so hard to make it into a little, a little nugget of, you know, a paragraph. I know there's that word count kind of limit, Um, but who are you? 
why, what value do you offer the follower that should be in the, in the bio? Um, you know, what, wherever you are, New York's leading competition studio. Okay, fabulous. Right out of those few words, I know exactly who you are, why I should follow you. And then it should stay cohesive as they go through um, your feed, whether it's Instagram, a Facebook page, a YouTube channel, TikTok, etc. Um, and then the less logistical answer for this question is to be authentic um, to who you are and to not so much try and emulate others' brands um, or other brands, excuse me. I think that there's a really fine balance between drawing inspiration and not needing to reinvent the wheel. You can take kind of standing best practices and apply them to your brand, but your message and the way you put things out needs to be authentic to who you are, to who your studio um, is as a whole because that is what will bring in an authentic audience. And that's also sustainable. Pretending to be something you're not will get very tiring very easily. <laughs> and, and everybody will see right through you. So I think authenticity um, attracts authenticity. So keeping those things in mind, um, hopefully is like a good recipe for a successful growing um, social media channel profile, et cetera. Yeah, that is so powerful. And I know, you know, sometimes if people are feeling stale or unsure of their kind mm -hmm. of standing, I guess, with their social media or just with their business, you know, you, like you said, there's there's inspiration and then essentially there's like kind of taking things. Yeah. Um, but even if you are doing a good job of like copying, it's, it's not going to last. And that's why I always say to clients who have, um, concerns with maybe like a new studio has popped up just down the road and like that the name difference sometimes is like you know dance a and then the new studio is like dance a a and it's like it's yeah. the same <laughs> I always say to them like you know it, it, it they can't sustain it like they you know even though people are trying to um I guess, emulate or, you know, that success. It's yeah. not something that it's going to be ongoing. So I think that that's really amazing content. And I think if there's one thing, everyone should go and check their bios because so sometimes I have a look at them and I'm like, <laughs> what? It just has like a phone number or something. And I like, even oh, though, no. like that, that's important information. It's again, if I'm coming to this thing, I'm not like, oh, good. Like I'm going to call now. Like I just, that's just not <laughs> something um, right. that people do. So yeah, the, yeah, you've got to think about what the purpose of, where they're coming to is and the purpose of Instagram is not to call so right. that, yeah <laughs> amazing yeah. so um Ashi, if, if you can share with everybody um the you know the best way to find you if they obviously they should go and follow you but if they wanted to share your app with their students what how can they find you follow you see your amazing content yes well thank you um you can go to tandme.com and it's T-I-A-N-D-M-E.com. Um, or you can find us on Instagram at tandme studio. And then all my pages are linked. So you'll see on tandme. I'm also at Ati Kamal on Instagram. Um, I think that's the best way. You can also, of course, find the YouTube channel. I don't think there's any other Ati. So you can just type in Miss Ati and I'm sure it'll pop up. Um, but yeah, I would love to have, you know, your community check out the app and, 
Um, it's still brand new. We're adding content every single week and we're very excited about it. So thank you so much for letting me kind of share and, and speak on it. That was awesome. No, you're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. I think that, yeah. uh, you know, teachers and students and dance owners listening will have learned something so powerful in the messages that you shared, whether they want to send their students to your app or even just more information about um, what they can offer in the classroom as well. Yeah. You know, so that's really amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Assemblé Dance Studio Coaching Podcast with your host, me, Claire O'Shea. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it on your stories on Instagram and tag the show or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Assemblé Dance Studio Coaching. Tune in next week for another episode all about helping you grow your dance studio simply and successfully so you can reach more students, grow your business and become the go-to dance studio in your area. See you then.